Thinking aloud. Conversations on the leading edge of knowledge and discovery with psychologist Jeffrey Mishlove. Hello and welcome. I'm Jeffrey Mishlove. Today is an unusual program, an interview about spiritual pilgrimage, which has emerged spontaneously. I wasn't planning to do this interview, but I'm delighted to have my guest, Mark LeBlanc, who is a past president of the National Speakers Association and the author of Growing Your Business. He travels all over the world doing workshops, seminars, and keynote speeches on business development, but he is also author of Never Be the Same, a book that describes three pilgrimages he took on the Camino in Spain. Welcome, Mark. Oh, thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be with you. Uh, I am awed by what you ha have done. Each of these pilgrimages <clears throat> involved uh, walking for 500 miles. That's right. It's 500 miles and over a million steps in approximately 30 days. It uh, reminds me of uh, what people in ancient times uh, would have to do. I recently did an interview on uh, Russia, and mm. uh, Rasputin, the Russian monk who was affiliated with the Tsars, would walk thousands of miles to visit holy sites. Sure. <clears throat> and people have been walking the Camino for over a thousand years, mm. and there have been kings uh, that have walked the Camino, and people of uh, from all walks of life. And I uh, understand uh, a little bit about it. There was a movie about it. Mm -hmm. uh, Shirley MacLaine wrote a, a, a book about it that that I've read. But uh, the, the total length of the Camino, I gather, is even longer than 500 miles. Well, there are multiple uh, routes or paths into Santiago, but the most the most popular route is 500 miles, and it starts in a little village in southern France called St. jean de port And you start in St. Jean, and you um, walk up and over Mount Lapeter, and then you cross into, it would be eastern uh, Spain, and then the rest of the journey takes you across northern Spain into Santiago. Mm -hmm. And is there a shrine in Santiago? Is well, the cathedral uh, mm -hmm. is in Santiago, um, and the the history of it is the remains of St. James uh, were discovered in Santiago, and they built a cathedral uh, in his honor. And so this massive cathedral uh, is in Santiago, and um, people started to walk uh, to Spain uh, and to Santiago just on their own. And I think uh, there was a year when well over 400,000 uh, people walked the Camino hundreds of years ago, and the Catholic Church turned it into an official pilgrimage. And uh, So what does that mean, an official pilgrimage? Well, they <clears throat> I, I, I don't know what the language yeah. uh, was um, hundreds of years ago, but they, they declared it mm -hmm. um, a pilgrimage, and as the story goes, uh, if you would walk the 500 miles, it was like going to the sacrament of reconciliation. Your, your sins would be forgiven. Mm -hmm. And so people started to walk uh, this pilgrimage. 
uh, maybe then to remove their sins, but uh, today for uh, all sorts of reasons, for religious reasons, uh, spiritual reasons, uh, many just simply because it's one of the world's great walks. I would imagine you're going across some beautiful scenery. You are um, over 30 days, you're up and over three mountains. And the middle section, uh, referred to as the Meseda, is completely flat. And it's almost as if the way I describe it, the first 10 days is sort of the physical uh, third uh, of the Camino. Uh, you're up and over Mount Lapeter. Um, th that's typically where you get most of your uh, ailments or your blisters. And then your blisters start to toughen up by about day 8 or 10 or 12. And then you hit the Meseda, which is completely flat. And many people uh, struggle with the Meseda. Um, and I look at that as more the mental uh, th uh, third of the Camino. Uh, many people get bored. Uh, because it's flat, and I didn't have any trouble uh, with uh, the middle third of the Camino. And then the the last 10 or so days, I look at it as sort of the emotional uh, part of the Camino. Uh, by this time, you are uh, physically stronger, you are mentally tougher, uh, you know you're going to be okay. Uh, many of the fears that you started with are now gone, you're into your uh, rituals and your routines. And then it's almost as if your heart opens. And you'll find yourself thinking um, about all of the things that have touched your heart or wounded your heart. And there are times when you might be walking and you might start crying and you don't even know why you're crying. Um, and I look at that last 10 or so days as, as really the emotional part. And then when you get to Santiago, um, it is a moment of joy like like I've never experienced. Because well, you're walking about what, 10 to 15 miles every day. On average, about 17 uh, miles a day to do it in 30 days, yes. That's uh, incredible. I have run a few marathons in my life and 10-mile and races. That takes a lot just to, to do it once. takes yeah. usually several days to recover. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's a full-time job for 30 days. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you're typically carrying a backpack with 25 or 30 pounds uh, of essentials with you. And um, many people make the mistake of thinking... Uh, that they're in good shape and they can walk three miles an hour or, you know, however fast they might walk on a treadmill. Uh, but the reality is it's very difficult to uh, even average a mile and a half an hour. Mm -hmm. And with breaks and stops and meals, um, you're going to mostly put in a 10-hour day. Uh, to walk that 15 or 17 miles. And I presume people are basically doing this as individuals rather than in groups. And in most cases, uh, they are solo uh, walkers or pilgrims. Um, often uh, we think you start out as a walker and you end up a pilgrim uh, along the way. Um, I think what's fascinating is that it doesn't take long and you meet so many people from all over the world uh, that you begin to walk with or will stop and have coffee with or uh, share a meal with. Um, in the evenings, it's, um, 
it, it, it's a, something to look forward to. You might be having dinner with four or eight or 12 people from all over the world. Mm -hmm. There are places where people congregate uh, in the evenings. Well, in Spain, they're called a bar. Uh, a restaurant is a bar. And uh, most bars in Spain will have a, uh, what they call a pilgrim's meal. And it's almost a four-course or five-course uh, dinner. Uh, with a special rate for the pilgrims. Well, because I can imagine you're burning up a lot of calories for you, one thing. You are. And it you can eat whatever you want. You can drink whatever you want. And uh, most likely, you're still going to lose 20 pounds on the Camino. Mm -hmm. But it, it strikes me, you've got this long walk, and there'll be periods during which you're not in the company of other people. You're by yourself. And there's going to be opportunities for thoughts to bubble up, things that are sort of only on the edge of your awareness normally have an opportunity to kind of come up right into the center of uh, your consciousness. That's, that's true. And uh, one of the standards that I have on the Camino is that I never listen to music or have a, a um, pair of yeah, headset on that where I'm listening to to anything because I want that freedom to let any or all thoughts and sometimes uh, they're good thoughts sometimes they're not so good uh, joyful memories of your past and um, uh, times that of your life where you know maybe things were not going so well um, but it's a very even if you're walking with someone it's a very solitary journey mm-hmm I would think it's it's really a time for self-reflection. And if a person is uh, doing it with some sort of serious spiritual intent, it might be an opportunity to examine your your flaws or weaknesses, or at least maybe rather than even judge them, uh, let me say parts of yourself you don't like. Oh, uh, for certain. <laughs> and sometimes I've said... Uh, on my on my first Camino in 2008, by day 10, I was, uh, and I was alone on this journey, but by day 10, I was tired of hearing about my, hearing my own excuses uh, and my own whining uh, about my aches and pains. Um, and what, what came across to me in that moment was, uh, if I'm tired of hearing my uh, aches and mistakes and whining, uh, why would I uh, go and share my aches along the way with anyone else? Um, so it's just a fascinating uh, look at uh, sometimes how we are mindful of our conversations. Mm -hmm. And I imagine for many people, it's an opportunity to get in touch with uh, what I might call source, you know, the, mm -hmm. sort of the ground of being. Mm -hmm. Some people might call it God. Mm -hmm. um, God or uh, source or uh, the universe. Uh, people tend to walk uh, the Camino because they're searching for something normally, uh, and people will walk it for religious reasons uh, or spiritual reasons, um, and some just for the physicality mm -hmm. of it. The infrastructure of the Camino uh, is incredibly, um, uh, it, I mean, you will always have a roof over your head. Uh, people have been walking the Camino for over a thousand years. 
And so uh, where you stay and you're walking through a half a dozen small villages a day and about every third or fourth day you are walking through a major city. So you're never that far mm-hmm. uh, uh, from a Spanish a bar, a bakery, uh, or a bottle of water or, um, you know, whatever you mm-hmm. need or want along the way. Well, I'm thinking of uh, Chaucer's Canterbury Tales, another (laughs) example of a pilgrimage where the uh, travelers come and tell stories to entertain each other. Mm -hmm. I imagine uh, you are exposed to people you might not otherwise meet. Uh, People from all ages, 18 to 20 to 68, 70, and, and 75. I uh, I did not meet her along the way, but you hear stories uh, from other uh, pilgrims. Uh, and the oldest person that I heard uh, on the Camino was a 92-year-old uh, uh, woman who was a nun who walked the Camino with a walker um, and just uh, slowly but surely walked uh-huh. the 500 miles. What was it that motivated you initially to? Well, uh, even with my background, uh, raised Catholic, and I was in the seminary for several years, had considered being a Catholic priest, um, I had not heard of the Camino. And one night my brother John said to me, you need to talk to my friend Jim about his walk in 500-mile walk in Spain. And I said, what? And a couple of weeks later, I sat uh, at a kitchen table just captivated by the story of how Jim had retired from teaching and uh, as his retirement gift to himself, he decided to walk the Camino, only he never trained a single day and flew to France and started his Camino. And after one day, his feet were blistered so badly that he taped up his feet with duct tape and kept going mm. um, and made it the 500 miles. And I, I had a hard time just wrapping my arms around why somebody would do that. But it gnawed at me um, for a number of weeks, maybe four or five weeks. And I woke up one day and thought, I'm going. And, and that was it. Um, I didn't really know anything more other than I knew as sure as day that I was going to go walk the Camino. And I made that decision at a time where I had some professional commitments and I would not be able to walk the Camino for two years. Mm. But I looked out on my calendar and uh, penciled it in. And for two years, though, uh, Jeff, it was a romantic stroll through Spain. With about 30 days to go, the horror of it began to <laughs> uh, began to sink in. Uh-huh. Um, but it was it was the most grueling and the most profound experience of my life. Did you train for it? I did train. However, it's hard to know really know what you're in for. And so my first Camino, I did walk 300 miles in preparation for it. But that was about five miles a day for about 60 days. Mm. And so I was physically fairly strong. But when you're on the Camino and you have a backpack on with 30 pounds and you're going up and down uh, all types of different terrain, 
it's a whole different experience mm-hmm. than. Um, How did that first event change you, if I may ask? Mm. I've often shared that you can't walk a million steps in 30 days and not have it change you uh, at your core. And things on the Camino that sometimes we we often take for granted uh, or sayings that sometimes in our head uh, make so much sense, you know, live in the moment. Um, you know, time is precious. I mean, we all know those are important in our head. Um, you never know when you're going to see someone again. Um, and all of those um, pearls or ideas become incredibly uh, meaningful and deep on the Camino. And as I was walking across uh, Spain, the enormous takeaway for me on that uh, first Camino was maybe the only thing that really matters is who do you love and who loves you? Not who do you think you love or who do you think loves you, but who do you really, um, who do you really care about? And how are you showing up for them in this world? Uh, in a world that uh, tends to um, look for approval or validation or, you know, we want to present a, a certain image out in the marketplace or in our lives. Um, you know, uh, you walk for 30 days with one change of clothes and everything you own um, in your backpack, um, you learn the importance of traveling just a little bit lighter. Mm-hmm. So then you decided to go back again. Uh, <laughs> I did. Um, when, when I came back in 2008, it was as if um, Santiago was the starting line. You're so consumed by getting to Santiago as the finish line or the accomplishment of a, of a goal to walk 500 miles. But in essence, uh, uh, reaching Santiago is simply the starting line. And I, and for a moment, I began to experience, um, I think pure joy, uh, for the very, very first time. I mean, I've done well in my career. I have a happy life. I, I know that I'm loved and, uh, but, but pure, unadulterated joy. And, um, I went back home and to my work and it, it changed the course of my life. And six years later, um, I'd always wanted to go back and walk it again. Uh, but in that meantime, I had, uh, gotten married. And in my mind, I just kept kind of pushing it off another year and another year. And uh, finally, my wife, uh, Anne, sat me down and she goes, I have something I want to talk with you about. And I said, okay. And she says, you need to go walk the Camino. And you need to do it this year. And I looked at her, you know, puzzled. And she said, the Camino means so much to you. 
And you have woven a little bit of it into your presentations and some of the lessons learned. And then she said something that was incredibly profound as a speaker or in the speaking world. She said, you can't keep talking about something you did six years ago. Mm -hmm. And I thought, you're right. And so I made plans to walk it again in 2014 and booked my ticket and uh, trained uh, again, uh, but, but felt that I was uh, either in better shape. Um, and I went to Spain, and I'll, I'll never forget the day one, six, about 6 a.m. in the morning, uh, filled with this incredible... Um, excitement that I, I couldn't believe I was back in Spain again and took that first step and within a few hours I was cursing the Camino um, because of how difficult it was. Um, I thought maybe I had it all figured out. Um, but I learned, you know, each Camino is grueling and profound for different reasons. But on that second Camino, um, I somehow was not in as good a shape. I was heavier than maybe I was. And um, I was I was forced to walk a little slower and drink more water and take more breaks. And I never got a blister in 500 miles on that second Camino. It was as if I found a different rhythm or a different uh, pace uh, that I could walk the Camino. It sounds like it, it was a way for you to come to terms with your own aging process. Yes. I think that's a great way to think about it. Mm -hmm. And then you decided to go back a third time. <laughs> well, in 2014, I was walking across Spain and I made the decision, I want to walk the Camino every three years until I can't. Mm -hmm. And so when I came back in the fall of 2014, I put it on my calendar for 2017. And um, by now I'm beginning to understand the importance uh, or the profound uh, sense of purpose and always having something on the calendar to look forward to. And believe it or not, three years goes by in a blink. And pretty soon I found myself again. Uh, on the Camino in 2017. And, and I assume your wife didn't go with you. Um, Anne came on the second she Camino oh, okay. and walked a part of it, uh -huh. uh, was not able with her work to uh, carve out five weeks uh, to come and walk. So she came and walked part of the last week and mm -hmm. fell in love with it and uh, is planning to walk the Camino uh, with me at some point when it works out for her. Mm-hmm. So, because I would think it, it could be very profound for a couple to be able to share that experience. Uh, yes and no. Um, because what your relationship is like at home, however it is, it will show up on the Camino. Mm. And whenever I encountered or met or came across couples who were uh, walking the Camino, um, it was not uncommon to sense or feel this tiny friction mm. uh, in, a, in a couple. And I can only relate it to everybody needs to walk the Camino for their own reason, but seldom are 
it is a couple on the same path at the same pace. Mm -hmm. And so if you're constantly worrying about the other person or you're wanting the other person to walk a little faster or a little longer, um, sometimes that that stress and tension of a relationship at home can surface mm -hmm. on the Camino as well. Mm -hmm. Well, did you find, and in, in now you've done it three times, mm -hmm. that uh, there was a different lesson there for you each time? I did. Um, Camino One, uh, to me, was about commitment, uh, setting a goal to walk 500 miles, and what I learned about uh, love and, and the importance of uh, the key or critical relationships in your life. I, uh, the second Camino um, really sort of set the pace. It was about consistency uh, for me and not stopping. And when I think about how uh, people work, uh, sometimes people work at a snail's pace or a turtle's pace, uh, or some days they're rushing like a, like a, like a hare. Um, and I discovered the importance of uh, just keep going. And that consistency was is often um, greater or more important to focus on than commitment. The third Camino uh, was incredibly difficult and the takeaway was resolve. Um, that you had to walk whether you felt like it or not. And as I've come back um, to my work and you know, you think about all the things that you will do when you feel like it. And um, I came to discover that whether you're a writer or a speaker or you're in sales or there's things that you need to do, you really need to do them whether you feel like it or not. And it was the third Camino that truly changed the course uh, of my business and my business results. Mm -hmm. Well, it's interesting. You told me earlier you started out your adult career in a seminary. You mm -hmm. were thinking of becoming a priest. Mm -hmm. Eventually, you obviously uh, switch gears. Mm -hmm. uh, you're a business consultant. You're, you're renowned as a business mm -hmm. consultant. You happen to be here in Albuquerque because you're speaking to the local chapter of the National Speakers Association. Yes. So you're uh, engaged in that profession, and and I, I'm sure you see your life as a life of service. Mm -hmm. in, in a way, it, it strikes me that in today's secular world, uh, in many ways, the world of business is like a religion. I think you're right. I think you're right. Um, I've been on my own uh, my entire adult life. I had a job once for about uh, six months, and at the age of 21, um, I was inspired by the two words, you're fired. And I made a vow that I would do whatever it would take to make it on my own. And this year, I'll celebrate 38 uh, years uh, in business. and. Some have been good years. I've had many good years and some great and a few bad and one or two ugly ones. Um, but it is that, that, um, my perspective, that sense of faith, mm -hmm. uh, is so incredibly, uh, important that there are times I do think of, uh, what I do, uh, as my life's work. 
and the work that I feel called and compelled to do. And, and, uh, at times with people who know me well, um, they will refer to me as Father Mark or that they're coming, uh, they want me to hear their confession. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so we'll laugh, but I, I, th I think you're, I think you're spot on. Well, because you're, you teach people how to grow their own businesses yes. and, and surely, uh, that has a lot to do with their values, mm -hmm. their integrity, how to build a, a life that not only meets their material needs, but has to satisfy them at a spiritual level as well. That's true. And, and not only that, people talk about, oh, wouldn't it be wonderful if we had a world religion, if everybody uh, understood things in the same way. Mm -hmm. uh, but in, business, in effect, is a, a, a global activity. Every, everywhere, people are engaged in trade. They are. They are. And whether you have a, a product that you're trying to move or um, a service or an expertise, uh, the tenets of faith uh, play an integral role in in doing more uh, of that good work. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I, we have a lot of discussions on this channel about the idea of the new world order and, mm. you know, some kind of global community. And many, many people are fearful about uh, a global community because they're afraid of, uh, frankly, business, big business, mm -hmm. uh, you know, forcing uh, corrupt practices or destroying the sure. environment or uh, – taking all of the global wealth and, and putting it in the hands of just a few people mm -hmm. and, and so on. But my sense is that speakers such as yourself and consultants such as yourself are are engaged at a different level than that. You're, you can't be doing the work that you're doing without sharing your own inner integrity. I have to think that going on these pilgrimages uh, – was a very important part for you of being in touch with that. And I think not only being uh, authentic or more congruent, but um, it was as if the the sun and the moon and the stars just lined up uh, for me uh, in the last, uh, well, 12 years now, since 2008. And I can say unequivocally, they have been um, the happiest years uh, of my life and the most successful years of my career. Mm -hmm. Well, Mark LeBlanc, this has been a lovely discussion. It's very inspiring to me uh, to know about the Camino and to actually meet someone who's uh, done it three times. Thank you. Thank you so much for being with me. Yeah. And thank you for being with us. Mm -hmm.